When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And on today's show, we have Michael Ash Smith. Hi, Michael. Hi, how are you? Good. good. Thanks good, for good. joining us. We're excited to chat. Your work is so oh. like moody and like <laughs> emotional. So we're like, we're, we're ready here. Moody and emotional. Uh, yeah. All right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind, for listeners who may not know you, can you introduce yourself and tell us how you got into photography? Sure. So my name is Michael Ash Smith. I got into photography roughly around 2008, 2009, um, probably like early 2008. I, I don't have any, you know, grandeur stories about being a photographer all my life or anything like that. <laughs> I've always been interested in photography, but always a, a, on the creative side. Like I always enjoyed looking at it and, and seeing fo- people's photographs. And some friends had cameras and things like that. And I found it interesting. But it wasn't until in my mid to late 20s where I really jumped at it. And a friend who I worked with was selling some old Nikon D or not? I don't think it was DN. It's the N sixty five. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Something like it's like thirty five millimeter, and he was like, "It's yours for forty bucks." And I was like, "All right." Sure. So, so I still, I actually still have that camera. Oh, um, nice! And I, love I that. just would go around on the weekend, and my I was in the crazy story behind me is that I was in banking for like nine or ten years, and wow. I I switched careers at 29 to be a photographer. Wow. And I got this camera and I would just, every Saturday morning, I'd wake up early and I would just drive around for four or five hours and just kind of fell in love with it. And that was probably like, that was 24, 25 years old. And then it just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And it really wasn't until digital started making a headway into the market where you could get one for relatively cheap Mm -hmm. and then I could practice more because the film was just expensive. Right. (laughs) And, you know, in my early 20s, it was just not conducive to my lifestyle. Yeah. (laughs) But that's how I found it. And that's how I, and then eventually I kind of just stuck with it and learned the camera and just had fun. And then, of course, somebody's like comes along and then says something like, hey, can you photograph me? And I'm like, Uh-oh. yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? And then it just then it just rolls from there. Wow. Well, I have like so many questions because. All right. Go, for- <laughs> go into it. <laughs> How did you. So did you have. Did you. When you. When did you make the switch back from from digital to film? Because I feel like. Okay. We, yeah. we all have that kind of story. But your work is so interesting that. How, 
I want to hear about how your I guess I mean your jump back to, to film and then mm-hmm. just how your your I don't know I don't want to say like how did you come to make this kind of work so I started so digital is like I don't have any preference to like I'm never like guys like oh man digital sucks or oh man yeah. film sucks like I don't really care what you you shoot you know like go shoot it but the great thing about digital is that I can practice. Mm. And yeah. I think I think the thing with that was I, I started photographing um, these weird – I live in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania has – in November and like February, it's really foggy it, and it, it's constantly foggy. And it really I, would just, yeah. I just fell in love <laughs> with it and would go out and – I would take the digital camera and just learn. And so I just kept shooting and shooting and shooting, testing settings. I would write that all down in a notebook, come back and take a look at what I was doing and the data and all that stuff. And then I would go see other inspirational photographers from maybe not in that current time, but back in time a bit. And then I'd say, all right, well, what is, how does that look achieved? And every single time I looked at something, it was film. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big like yeah. I'm not a big editor, so I'm not I I hate spending time in Photoshop. I hate right. spending time in Lightroom. Me too. It, it's just uh. not my thing that I enjoy doing. So I just started speaking to some friends, and I, again, I had the N65, but it was 35 millimeters, so it really wasn't getting me to where I wanted to go. My editing wasn't getting me to where I wanted to go. And I knew the tools that I had at my disposal weren't. So I had a a friend who saw this kind of foggy aesthetic, so to speak. And and I would post on Flickr, if you guys remember Flickr. Yes. And Flickr would, you know, back in the day it was free. Mm -hmm. So I I kinda gained some, you know, if you remember, you could hit the explore page, which is basically like how Instagram and and uh, TikTok work now, mm-hmm. and if you hit explore, then you got tons of views and things like that, and it kind of bumps up your ego a bit. But <laughs> I, would, uh, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah it was when, like a when, rush. when your photo hit explore, it was like <laughs> I'm the right. best. <laughs> and so yeah, exactly. And I I think I remember calling my my partner at that time one time, like I made explore. I was like, <laughs> it's so insignificant now, but then it was just huge. And yeah. in any case, all these photographs I started taking, I could never get it to look the exact way that I wanted. And mm. then a, f- a friend of mine, acquaintance of mine in the industry, you know, I think we were talking one time over uh, like G chat. Gmail chat. And you know, he was like, I think you need a I, I think you need to dabble in the film. And I'm like, I have, I'm not a fan of this 35 millimeter, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, like get in the medium format and and get this camera. And he told me the RZ67. Mm. And wow. So I found an RZ67 on Craigslist for <laughs> nice. like four hundred dollars. Oh uh, wow. Uh. I was about to say how much. <laughs> Tell me about it. Mint condition, three lenses, comes in like a case that looks like you're walking through an airport with a bomb and oh like God. everything and I like a pellet. Right you know? I know. And it was like and I had no idea how to shoot it or anything. And so And it's I, huge. So you must have been like, what huge. the heck? Like Yeah. <laughs> and uh and I I grabbed some film. I, I'm pretty sure it was Triax, because I'm pretty sure everybody uses Kodak Triax mm-hmm. uh-huh. to start. And then I brought it with me to a session that was like 
at that time, I was starting to get into portraits and engagement stuff and things like that and weddings. And Mm -hmm. I brought it to one for fun. And I fired off the whole roll and I got it back and I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's it. That's pretty much what I was looking for. Uh, And that was it. That was the beginning of the where it flipped back to film. And from that moment, which I'm guessing was 2010, maybe. Wow. I started going backwards and removing digital from my Mm. arsenal. And I always Mm -hmm. kept a digital camera around. I still have one. I need it here and there for some of the work I do. But it it kind of disappeared through the, you know, it was just kind of a backup situation kind of camera. And then that's when I started to explore different cameras and the different films and started processing the black and white of my own. And that's how I started getting down that world of my, my vibe or my look. Yeah. Your fine art stuff. Right. What I I love, uh, we say it a bunch of times on this show, just like how stories collide so much. And, and I just, I feel so, I feel so connected to that because, you know, we're not like a digital bashing podcast by any means. I mean, we do primarily talk about film and, you know, stuff like that. But I I forgot how much I learned with my digital camera until Mm -hmm. you said that. Like, it really taught me oh it's amazing yeah i mean what a what a great you could just tool. mess up mess up mess up yeah. mess up, mm-hmm. mess up <laughs> and then look at it and delete and delete and i mess yep. with long exposures and and bulb mode and multiple yeah. exposures and it was just so simple to just toy with it and then all i did was transfer those settings pretty much over i mean there's there's a little bit more than that as you know but it, it, it's a great tool I, it's amazing that I, I, my, you know, my daughter's so lucky. Like she can take a camera and go out and mess up forty thousand times and uh-huh. and keep going. And it's so it's so simple. Make, sh- make sure she's ready before you're like, okay, here's your first roll of film. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> and even my even my my partner right now, uh, the woman that I'm with, like even she's been in the digital for three or four years, and I kind of got her hooked on the Instax film. Yeah. And oh, now nice. she's like now she's like craving. <laughs> <laughs> it's the like best. a drug you know she shot three packs the other day in like this controlled lighting situation and she's like oh no and i was like you're done <laughs> i was like i can see the look in your eyes and now she's buying 10 packs of it on mm-hmm. like b and h photo you know like it's just it's so funny how it just grabs you yeah like how oh, yeah. it just yeah. takes you and just i mean it it, it totally I mean, same with probably everybody that's listening too. like once you get the itch of the whole film thing, I mean, there's just so much to explore. Like, it's not like it mm-hmm. used to be, obviously, where things were so much more available and, you know, film was Cheap. the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that has some negative things, though. Like, not negative, but I really do believe that the digital era, so to speak, um, refines those who wanted to be a film photographer. So I think that I think it helped because I think that most of the film photographers got kind of copacetic in the way they were doing things. Digital came along, then there was this fight. And then all these digital (laughs) photographers were like, oh, I can do this. And then and then a whole bunch of them were like, wait, I don't really like this. And then they went and sought out film. And now we're now we're seeing this kind of like it's just like music. I always compare it to music because we were at the mercy of what the record labels gave us yep. for yeah. years. And we were at the mercy of what Kodak gave us or Fuji. And that was it, really. And yeah. I mean, yes, there were tons of film stocks. But the point being is, is that you kind of had to do what everybody else is doing. 
And then now it's like I can go on a Spotify or, or Bandcamp and find the most obscure yeah. music uh-huh. ever. And I kind of treat the film that way now. Like I can browse around, I can buy some expired film or new film and I buy this little toy camera or this really expensive camera and then I can go mess with it. And it kind of, the digital age uh, revolutionized my way of thinking about film. And now I have, I like the best of the both worlds. So it's been yeah. nice. Yeah. I like that. So so you said you were a banker. What? Yeah. Did you, uh, could you like look at your life now and be like, I can't even believe. Yeah, no. Because you, like, you're on like one path and then all of a sudden this other thing grabs you and now you're like mm. on this completely different, like artsy. Right. I think the banking thing had kind of fell into my lap. And I always like, there's always like these moments in my life and they usually happen every 10 years or so where there's something impactful comes along. And, and then either I follow it or I don't. And at that time, um, I had to, uh, I dropped out of college because I couldn't pay for it and wasn't really a fan of it. And my parents divorced and it was just this whole big time in my life. I was around 19. And my friend at that time, his dad worked at a bank. It was like vice president of a bank. And I was like, I just need a job real quick. I need to figure out what yeah. I'm doing. Just get me steadied out and everything like that. And, and I took it. And it was never supposed to be anything, but right. I just took it and made good, some good money pretty quickly. Worked my way up, and like in a two three years, I was in management and and was you know, assistant vice principal or some or not assistant vice president of this of this branch, <laughs> and and everything was kind of like going smoothly if you look at that nine to five thing, right? Like I was doing yeah, what my family yeah. wanted me to do. And and right. I always kind of wanted to be in the creative arts, but I never had that support where someone be, would say, you, you got to follow your dream. It was more like, yeah. do this, settle down and right. do this. And I was <laughs> making more money than my friends who were in college were making. So I was like, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah, I got to be doing something, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then I was in management for a few years and, and ran a couple community uh, branches of a bank. And one like one day I was just kind of like, I, I can't do this. Like I can't, mm. I can't, I, I had never seen myself doing that for the rest of my life. And I just made this kind of decision and it, it took some time to actually make happen but in my yeah. head it kind of yeah. a, a switch flipped and I, I was I can't do this I can't do this for the rest of my life and that's when I started actively pursuing the one thing that I knew that I really enjoyed and that was photography man so was it was it like fine art right off the bat or no. you said you were doing like portrait sessions and stuff what, what, yeah, what was your so like, work involved at the during the switch yeah, it was like I'm a I'm a my my daughter always makes fun of me because she's like, you're the most emo dad ever. And like, <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I, I just like dark things. I'm not a dark person. I swear. Like, it's not <laughs> like people are always like, Oh, you, are you sad all the time? And I'm like, just because I listen to sad music doesn't make me sad. I am uh-huh. happy by listening to the sad music. So that makes sense. right. Like I, 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 if I, I, I was yeah. in the fog this morning because it, we don't get it much here in Denver and drove into the mountains for a shoot. And it, I just, light up and that's just yeah. how i am it's yeah. just the rain makes me excited and giddy and it's dumping snow right now at the end of may and it's this freak snowstorm what? and oh yeah yeah we're supposed <laughs> to get like eight inches today oh my god 
And, oh my uh, goodness! I know oh, it's, it's it's wacky. It was ninety yesterday. So, <gasps> so, so yeah, one of the benefits about living in Colorado is uh, you have violent weather switches. Um, yeah. So like I'd I'm say. out and about in that, and I'm just ecstatic. Like I find happiness in that that feeling. And so I think in the beginning when I started switching over, when I started becoming a photographer, I told like I mentioned that I would go out in these. Saturday mornings in Pennsylvania and I would find all these mm-hmm. moody foggy stuff and but then that doesn't pay the bills. So yeah, right. Yeah. So what happened was is it's kind of its convergence of a whole bunch of areas. I was in banking and at the bank that I was at, I knew a lot of people and some of them found out I did photographs and then one of them was like can you photograph me for a headshot or something, you know, like something simple like that and I was like sure but yeah. I've never done this. I only photograph landscapes. I'll give it a shot. Then they liked it and then somebody else saw it. And then somebody in like the accounting department, their wedding photographer went missing like a week before their wedding or something like that. And they're like freaky now. And it was like a backyard barbecue, super chill wedding. I was like, sure, I'll do that. And so I helped them out and they were like, oh my God, you're a lifesaver. And then they really liked those photos. And then somebody else saw them and then somebody would contact me in the bank. And then by the end of that year, that first year, I think 2018, I had like five weddings and like 10 portrait sessions. Man, and that's awesome. And wow. it was just from the being where I was. And then that's when I was like, okay, you can make money doing this. Yes. Yeah. It was April of 2019 where I quit. I quit the bank and the bank. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, and I went full time. I had a, a baby like a one-year-old, and my partner at that time was supportive. I, I'll, I'll give her that, but scared. Mm-hmm. And then right. it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. And then it just, it just at that time, it was kind of early in that digital wedding world, and I was one of the people in Philly that were kind of at the forefront of that switch between Philly or between film and digital. And so I got really lucky with my timing. And the and the 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 photos were just a little bit more unique, in a way, mm-hmm. a little bit darker, a little bit moodier for weddings, and it just kind of clicked, and then and then it skyrocketed from there. But during that entire time, my sole passion for photography has always been the black and white, more darker, mm. moodier stuff. Yeah. And then it just started getting the other, like that, just started going deeper and deeper. So I started testing that out with people doing model sessions and, you know, and getting standard kind of um, images back that I liked, but I didn't love. And then I started, I I realized that the lab had a lot of control over what my scans look like. Mm -hmm. And then, so then I was like, all right, I got to start processing my own film. And then I can scan the way I wanted to shoot the way I wanted to. And then it just started getting more moody from there. Mm. And then I started gravitating into pack film from, Oh. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> and then that's a My whole favorite. other thing we could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But do you have a do you have a huge stash or are you Well, so in twenty thirteen Chris like what you got? All right, what you so got? I'll what you tell got? you story real quick. <laughs> in twenty thirteen, I when they discontinued three thousand B, which was one of the final ones, I yeah. was the person who started the petition to get it. No yeah. way. So I'm on Whoa. there. Like that was my that was my petition. I talked to Fuji, I talked to 
super sense. Wow. We, I talked to like some high up rep at Fuji film in, in Japan and we, nothing worked, nothing could happen as you know. Mm. But at that time, being that I was at that forefront, I bought a hundred and twenty boxes <laughs> wow. of the three thousand D, and I just finished the last box two months ago. Wow! And wow. I made a whole like post on Instagram about it. Um, like this is the last box. I this is what the final images were. Um, all that stuff. But I never wow. sold a single box. I kept it that whole good. time. Uh, oh, and it good. was good. It was sad. It was sad. And I yeah, had no more. Sad. Yeah. So yeah, Damn. I did Man, stock that- up. I did have a stash. <laughs> I remember that petition. I remember like, oh yeah, like ho- like hold. I mean, holding our breath. Oh, like, uh-huh. can we save it? Can we save it? What do we do? We tried to get. We tried to get buy a machine. Uh, anything that could oh, save geez. it. Anything that could mm. just hold it off, like Impossible did, where they yeah. were at, able to get that last plant in Germany and and yeah. and save a few of the machines and and then the guy that guy jumped in too um I can't remember his name doc? yeah doc um he yeah, jumped doc. in I talked to him a little bit back and forth and I we we got the petition and we printed it out and made it really kind of analog and sent it to Fuji and we're like this is who you're missing out on and uh, yeah it's it's a bummer did they did they have the machine to sell or they were just like we're not selling they, the guy the last thing yeah they just said I'm not selling they, the one guy that we talked to at Fuji, the North American rep was the best rep that I got. Um, his name was Barney, I believe. And he was like, they are not willing to just give up anything. They're not going to sell the machines. They're not going to do uh, anything. It's so frustrating. I'm sure there's one somewhere. There, I mean, can you uh, – that would be like – and there's been a couple people Imagine since that have been like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And obviously, we know that uh, Supersense did it with essentially yeah. with, the, mm-hmm. with, the, with yeah. the positive, you know, that what, I forget what the, the number they use on that. But it's pretty cool. It's it's crazy expensive. Yeah. But yeah. No one's gotten close, obviously. And maybe one no. day we, we will. But that's been that's been a bummer. That's yeah. the only yeah, thing that time. I truly, truly miss. Like. When I do my sessions now, that's the one thing I don't shoot anymore. And I really, really miss those land cameras and and having that instant film and the pack film and, and coming back and using the negatives and things like that. That's that's one big thing I miss. Man, totally. I'm getting all sad. It's so sad. Yeah, it's sad. It's so sad to see like all the cameras too. Like you see them everywhere. Mm. Like if you go into any like antique mall or thrift shop or something like that, you yep. just see those cameras. And I remember 10 years ago, the joy of seeing one of those cameras yeah. in being like, oh man, this is great. This one's better than the last one yeah. that I got. Yeah. I can't wait to, you know. Yep. It was just, man, what a what an era. Like that was such a good time. It was it was great. And I I mean that's a that's the thing where I do miss those old film stocks, you know, like the ones that yeah. all Polaroid had and everything like that. And it, it's a it is it's a shame, but I mean, I guess it kind of pushes me to do other things and try other things and crossing my fingers that one day we get something back that's of the same, you know, degree of of how well those things worked. What a celebration that would be! Jeez. Oh. Yeah, I can't even imagine. We would all freak. Uh huh. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm glad you you shot all of it though. I feel like I mean I yeah. hope the the work you can look on look at the work and know that like it, it, at least it went to a it did a good... yeah yeah there was a there was some there was some duds in there probably my mistake more than anything but every pack was used and it it was it took me eight, oh, 9 years to go through those wow. 120 boxes so uh it was very it was used 
sparingly and it was used yeah. very efficiently. And I, I, you know, I forced myself to only do two packs or one pack per session and, and yeah. just because I knew how, how rare it was was getting so but i yeah it was, it was nice and even the last pack shooting it and opening it was nice i still i'm pretty proud of myself because i i took a photo of the last box and that's it like i really didn't like i just ripped it open like i normally do because i was yeah. in mid shoot <laughs> yeah. when i was doing it and and i i was proud because i didn't i didn't stop and like get super emotional about it i kind of just finished it out on a high yeah and and finished it out strong and and never changed or wavered the way that i shot it like i didn't shoot something completely unique where i was like what am i doing like i shot it Mm -hmm. in the exact same like it was foggy it was snowing and i was in a hot spring so it was like my pretty much perfect kind of mood where i could have shot the last box so it was cool. Mm. Amazing. Now, do you have any plans to do anything with uh, with all those photos that you you shot? Yeah, like, should be it, make a book. I, yeah, I will. I, I definitely will make a book in the future. I feel like I need to get a few more series going, and then I can kind of have like mm. a full book. I have them all saved. I have all the negatives. Um, I I was considering. I I sell prints, but when I sell a print, it's a one off print, so there's only one made. So I don't sell okay. like 10 or five. So I make one yeah. print and then I frame it and then I sell that. And I've been considering yeah. selling the negative with the print. So it kind of oh. gives like a, a really unique feel to it. Like yeah. it's yeah. like a painter yeah. selling their only painting. But the only yeah. problem with that, as we know, is they can take that negative and oh, re- redo yeah. it. So <laughs> now on, on the... On the 3000B film, obviously, they, they'd have to, it's a little bit different, but. Right. Yeah, you'd have to like invert right. it and, and all that yeah, stuff. And yeah, and you have yeah. to kind of print digitally. You can't print from the negative. So they can't make like mm-hmm. silver, silver gelatin prints from them. But, but again, it's like I've been thinking about doing that. But I think what I'll end up doing is, is setting aside a whole bunch for a book and then like finding those negatives. And then maybe like scanning or copying those negatives and kind of putting them in with the imagery in the book. And then that way, it's kind of like this dual thing. I'm not really sure. I've gone through a whole bunch of stuff. But I do plan on doing something with it. I just don't know what... Yeah, Don't know what yet. yet. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your series mm-hmm. since you, you kind of brought it up. Are those – how like thought out and planned are they? Or do, is it is it something that turns into a series after the fact or like you go out with like an intention to create this specific thing? Yeah, that that's a, that's a good question because I was actually asked that this morning on my – because I started a new one this morning and she asked the same thing. And there mm. normally it all depends on how I'm going. So I started working in series three years ago. And the reason why I did that was because I was doing too many one-off sessions where I wasn't getting anything out of it. And then I wasn't getting a relationship with the person out of it. And I firmly believe okay. that when you have a comfortable relationship with the person that you're photographing, you can make so much more um, in purposeful imagery. And so what I started I doing was yeah. the first series, I, I, I did a whole bunch of this. I did this thing called Veiled Series in 2017. And it was just a way of... It, it, the reason why I started it was because I was tired of the wedding industry and how fake it was. Yep. 
And so <laughs> I started feeling really upset about that. And I, I took a wedding mm. veil that one of my clients let me borrow. And I put it over a person. And the veil represented the this thin line, this thin layer between these this over crazy jaded over cynical wedding industry and like the public and the, and if you're in the wedding industry you kind of know what i'm talking about but if you're not in the wed- mm-hmm. wedding industry a wedding is just a one off thing for you and it's just kind of like there's a line there and all the wedding photographers yeah. are like this is crazy over here and then all the people over here are don't really see that and i I've, I've been in I've photographed over 420 weddings. Get out of here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've seen everything. Jeez. And so this veil uh-huh. thing was like kind of like it was just a, a – st- I wrote this whole piece on it. Uh, it was a session, one-off session. And then I wrote a piece that was like I, we've got to like stop faking this industry. It's so wow. insane mm. over here. And I wrote this blog post and – and it got a little bit of hits, but nothing really happened from it. But it was way more for me than it was everything else. But what it did was yeah, it kickstarted yeah. an entire whole thing. I did this session entirely on 3000B with this veil. And I was like, oh, yes, like this, this is what I've been looking for. And then I brought in more people to that series. Okay, so then I did 10 sessions and with each with a different person. Mm. And what I noticed at the end was it was all under the same entity of the veil series, but it there was no cohesiveness to the imagery. It was mm. kind of all over the place. And it was good, but it wasn't it didn't work well together. And then I so after that I I took a little hiatus, went through a whole pun- bunch of personal stuff with, you know, a, a person and and the relationship ended and that kind of kickstarted me onto this other idea of right, all right, what didn't I like about this? And then I I came to the conclusion that I really want to know the person that I'm photographing better. Mm. And so I did archetype series and I said I'm looking for one person, we're going to do multiple shoots, and I have no idea where it's going to go. Wow. And so yeah. I found this model, Robin, in, locally to me, and she was like, I'm in. And then we did like two or three sessions, got comfortable with each other, and and she knew kind of what I needed and what I was looking for, and I knew how she moved and how she worked. And then things started clicking. And that's when like I started seeing this uh, cohesive feel and vibe come out in the photographs. And then we sat in front of like 40 of them on the ground and we're like, what, what is this? And then we started talking. And then she was the one who actually came up with archetype and the name and the, the thing. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And so from that point on, I, I, I committed to having the model be part of yeah. the project just as much as the photographer because without them, I'm pointless, really. Like, I can't do it without them helping me. So from that moment on, I went into each one going, talking to them beforehand, and then we we talk about what any ideas we had. And on some of them, we had these pre, pre um, predetermined ideas. And then on some of them, like today, we decided to not have that predetermined idea where we just mm. wanted to shoot and then see how it went. But some of the sessions are, are very rarely are they one-offs, but they are. But mm-hmm. most of them are usually take three to five sessions. And then the longest one was 
eight sessions. Wow. And I, I like, I like working like that. And it makes me happy. And I don't show any of the imagery until it's all done. That's good. So like, and even the surrender series, I got so upset with Instagram during that series that I didn't show any of the final pictures until I had a show. Oh, yeah. But then I did a show and then the 13 were released and then I released them on social media. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was re, it was really, really nice. And, and I think I'm going to, I have another show coming up in October and I think I'm going to do this fairly the same thing. It'll kind of be a mixture where I'm going to use a few that I've showed, but then there's going to be like, five or six new ones that no one's seen. Wow. Ooh, that's so inspiring listening to that because I've always, I don't get to do much portrait stuff. I'm more of kind of just your average daily shooter guy. And when I do, I, I always want to work with the same person over mm-hmm. and over again because you did, it's like a dance that you get between the two of you and, and things. The, the couple of girls that I did get to work with we've worked together a couple different times and it's it's just it always gets better mm. and better and things just keep coming and like getting more elaborate and more it's just i need to get back into that stuff you got me all hyped up right now like, yeah it's really it's it's a good feeling and plus i think through the years i think photographers kind of get this ego and that you know that they're they're the reason that's good and then, and which is fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Photographer, wow. photo- photographers, you know, some of them are super talented and, and their, their work is unique. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like, I, I believe that photography is a mutual agreement between these two parties. And if you're photographing like a, a plants or if you're photographing nature and, uh, and stuff like that, I mean, a lot of these, it, you're kind of at the mercy of your your scene, right? And 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 you can yeah. go out and mm-hmm. wait. A lot of these wildlife photographers could wait four days before they even get the shot that they wanted. And when they get the shot that they Crazy. wanted, they're immersed in, in in that in that scene. They've been doing it for hours and hours. And then this kind of timing works out where they they knew where they needed to be. They they made the light right. They waited for the right moment, and then then nailed this shot. And they'll tell you that it takes. tons of time to get this one photograph so that's kind of the same thing in 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 the photography industry and and you know photographers a lot of them will go around and they're just kind of like taking their camera and they photographing and then it's like one and done and they're over and then they move on and they get something they want and for me like i feel like i do so much better when i'm immersed and I, it's, mm. if I can Im- immerse in that scene with you, and even if we don't come up with anything, anything at all from that s- session, it still worked well because I still got to work with them. They, we still talked. We still, um, you know, created something together. And even like I, I did a, a one off session in Arizona last week because I couldn't do a series because I was only there for, 48 hours so I couldn't keep going mm. and yeah. it's just it was one of those sessions where if I had gotten no photo photo final photo from it I would have been happy and because it was just yeah. wonderful yeah it was wonderfully wow. it was wonderful to shoot it it was a great model and we we blended well we got along well and they were just super into the being what I need it. And I was super into getting the right shots. And it's just one of those things where your brain's just firing all cylinders. Yeah. And it, it's just, mm. it's, 
it's like a drug in that regard. And yeah. then, I mean, <laughs> I even oh. tell the story of real quick, like I did a shoot for the Surrender series. That series was five sessions and we planned out this one shoot perfectly, timed it right with the light. We had this wonderful scene and I had three packs of instant film. And what I do with instant film is generally is I take a photograph, test my light, peel it, make sure it's good, and then I'll adjust accordingly. And then I'll I'll check. Yeah. I can't peel on scene. Otherwise, I've got 30 peels with all this. And we were in the middle of a, a river. Like I wasn't going to peel oh. 30 things. And yeah, so, yeah. That so I kept them all and went back was super I remember I remember leaving the scene going like oh yes like this is going to be awesome it's going to be awesome and we went back and we got back to their house and I started peeling and it was like black 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 <gasps> black oh. I didn't hit any of them every one of oh, them no. was fi- I think my my land camera died I have no idea what happened mm. but I had one photograph it was my test photograph that was semi exposed properly and I, it was a 100C, so it was color. And so with the color, I bleached the negative and then I scanned the negative so I can get something out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That photo ended up being the best photo of the entire series. It's wow. the only one that I got. Uh, it's the one I used for all the marketing. <laughs> and I don't have anything else to show for that entire session except for this one photo. Man. But... It was still cool. I still, yeah. you know, I still worked with the model and sh- and she was super stoked and I was super stoked and it was really neat. And 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 we still did a, another session after that, but the point being is like I like to immerse myself with that other person and then we both grow from it and then I can get cool stuff. Mm. And that's usually where the cool things happen. Yeah. Two things I want to say about that is like even on a roll <laughs> of film when you get the one, you know, Yeah amazing image you're like i don't care about the rest i got this one it's the best like i don't care yeah yeah but also what you're saying about like i love that like taking the time with your because i mean obviously you shot weddings or you know when you show up the day of like hi nice to Mm -hmm. meet you we're gonna have this like intimate moment intimate interaction about me like getting you comfortable and like you know we're gonna vibe and sometimes it's harder than other times and so i just know that you know when you do when you are that like in it with somebody it just makes that the whole experience way more rewarding and better oh it's wonderful even even that archetype series with robin there was two two sessions where we drove around looking for the thing and we couldn't quite find what we were looking for and then we just left and we went home but like we didn't take a single photograph but the point was is like we interacted more we bonded more we became more friendly and it just helped. And now I'm even planning to go and meet with her in um, New England in the summer and do a whole other series that we've we've that's come up. Cool. And that's only because we we just had fun together. You're friends now, right? Like yeah, you're we friends had now. fun that's together, cool. and she yeah, fully yeah, trusts me, yeah. and I fully trust that you know her, and that we're going to make some cool cool photographs. And and that's that's the point, you know. Like that's that's. That's half the reason why I, I do it that way. Yeah. And when you mentioned, I saw like on your website when I was checking out the series is like, you always, have, you always have like a blurb from the model. When I first started reading, it, I was thrown off because I thought you were talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I was like, wait, 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 what's happening? Yeah. And I was like, oh. Almost all like, the series. Ha- yeah. I go to the model. And I'm so like, cool. hey, what? tell me your thoughts on this. So that yeah. they, I, I, I feel, 
and maybe I'm wrong, but it's just my feeling. But I feel like in especially in photography, there's a massive disconnect between the model and the photographer. And we treat mm-hmm. the model in most cases, like it's just a, a subject like a, a, prop, a prop, a prop. And they're yeah. not. And yes, if you're if you're a fashion photographer, and you get hired on the scene, and you got to show up and shoot that I get that like, I'm not saying every single things need to be immersive. But I'm saying if you have the time and you have yeah. to and you want to to grow as a photographer, we're all we're all people, you know, like we deserve all deserve that respect. And I try to to balance that respect and say, look, I can't do it without you. You are literally yeah. I need you yeah. to make this thing here. <laughs> so I'm going to give you as much respect as I possibly can. And and talk to them and ask them what's going on and how they feel and if they're okay and what they're feeling about this thing. I send them previews, like I text them, I'm like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Like I can't decide between A or B. What What are your thoughts? And they're like, "Oh, definitely oh, yeah. A." So they have a they That's have cool. a decision process. You know, like they're part of it because they're part of the thing yeah. because it's part of them. And I, I feel like that's kind of been lost yeah. in a lot of photographers over the years. And and I, for me, it's important that I I keep that and retain that. Awesome. Yeah, and and two, you know, two heads are always mm-hmm. better than one too, because you know, you you could have your favorites, and they could see something that's completely True. different totally. in the work. Absolutely, I've had a couple of times where they're like, "I like this one," and I'm like, "I didn't, I don't like that one." And then like, I'll come back to it, yeah. and then I'll do it. And sometimes <laughs> I override them. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. brutally honest, but I'm in, yeah. I'm honest in a, in a positive, like a like I'm not mean. I'm just saying like, um, you know, I'm going with my gut on this one. Like it's got to be, it's got to be this and. And when we're shooting, I'm like, all right, let's not do that. Like, let's try this. And and I even said to the model this morning, I'm like, look, if you have anything that pops in your head, anything, do it. And I will I will make it work. Like, I'll make it fit into my thing. I, I don't want you to ever feel like you can't try something if just because I'm not telling you to do it. So if you if you see something yeah, or have yeah. an idea or you're you have something pops in your head about a position or or a movement tell me and like let's try it because i might be like no that's not going to work at least i'll know and we'll, we'll kind of check it off the checkbox you know yeah yeah so has has this work that you've been doing this you know all these portraits and all these ideas and stuff has this led to anything commercially for you have you been hired to do any of this stuff no <laughs> no, no no i mean i think one day i'll get there it is dark and moody and dark and moody's never going to be mainstream unfortunately it's just not i don't think that's it's sad i know i love dark but that's and moody. the way it is like <laughs> think about all the dark and moody photographers and artists that we've known over the years and yes some of them are yeah, popular yeah. now you, you know like like francesca woodman super dark and moody woman by the way she grew up like 15 minutes from where i live wow. so like oh which wild. is amazing so i visited some of those grave sites that she shoots to are you guys familiar with her i'm guessing you are i'm um yes I'm not. I've heard, yep okay so she's this super popular well popular now but she wasn't and she was she was uh in the 60s and 70s and she was from boulder and she was making these extremely dark and like photographing herself nude at 16 Whoa. really mm-hmm. progressive and she got a lot of crap for it Went to Rhode Island school uh, for t- for photography, and then committed suicide at 22 in <gasps> New York City. But her work is 
40 years ahead. You could post one of those on Instagram today and people are like, oh my God, this is so cool. And it was in 1968. And so yeah. it's way ahead of her time. I've gotten, I've, I, the only reason why I know about her is because I've gotten people over the years being like, this reminds me of Francesca Woodman. And like mm. 2016, 2017, I started getting it. And, and I was like, oh, holy shit. Like she was way before me. Yeah. Like this woman is, <laughs> is amazing. And so I found out she grew up here and she has these really kind of emo photographs of her around gravestones. And it's in Boulder, and I found yeah. the actual gravestones that she oh, was wow. photographing in. Wow! So that was that's pretty cool. I don't even know where the heck I got onto that. So how did I even get? Oh, to we're Francesca talking about commercial. Woman? Yes. Yeah. yeah so, I was just wondering okay. if you were. So you, yeah, even yeah. her, who now the they found her like twenty years ago, and she's started growing in popularity, and now she's got the foundation. Her family has mm-hmm. foundation. Her both her parents were Boulder artists. And they passed away a few years ago. And now there's the Francesca Woodman Foundation. And then they have all the negatives. And then they they sell the negatives. And now they're really valuable. But it took a very mm. long time for that to happen. And yeah. I feel like that kind of moody stuff is, is rare mm. um, to be out there because it doesn't sell. Like if I was posting color, I think it'd probably do a little bit better. But like, I think that from a commercial standpoint, it's very hard because you, you're I'm very niche. Right. It has right, to right, be right, like right. this really, really right. Like the best person I can think of that's close to it that I know is commercial is is Paulo Reversi. You know, he's darker, shoots eight by ten Polaroid. It tends to be pretty moody, mm, yeah. and he'll shoot for like Versace or. Gucci or something like that mm-hmm. here and there. But again, 99% of the public won't know who he is. Right. And so <laughs> it's not that commercially viable thing. However, that doesn't mean that it can't happen, but right. no, I haven't yeah, I haven't been yeah. asked commercially. I don't feel like it's it's the it's a path that I'll go down. I really am pushing for the the kind of more painting or mm-hmm. painterly background of like making these photographs that you can only get one of or yeah. here and there of and and that's it. That's cool. And then that way there's no 30 of them or 50 of them and yeah. and trying to go that way. I like but I that. could be wrong. Man, sm- that's smart though. I like I like that. I like that idea. Michael, I also want to talk to you about your the agency. Ember? Yeah. Sure. That's, you started that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about that. When I got here to Colorado in 2017, it was right at the end of my that was the year I said that I made that series where I was kind of really jaded about the wedding industry Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. just kind of odd it is um and so when (laughs) I one way to put it yeah when I came here when I first got into photography as I we talked you know going back a bit I never really the portraits fell into my lap I never really set out to do portraits my first initial thing when I became when I started doing photography was I wanted to do photography for like small businesses and and more of the creative side. Like I wanted to start a creative agency, so to speak, where I had like graphic design, photography, and like website design. That was the original mm. thing. And then portraits fell into my lap and then they paid me nice nicely for them. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of stuck with that. And then one of the things that I made myself do when I came to Colorado was get out of weddings. And so I spent that first year 
kind of going back and forth to Philadelphia, finishing out weddings and then second year too, and then transitioning over to more of a content side. And then since social media got popular, and that, which obviously was not in 2009, social yeah, media yeah, made yeah. it yeah. easier for me to get these places where brands or artists and say, hey, I can create this for you. You can put this on a website. You can put this here, over here. You can put this over here. And so I transitioned out of weddings and into this. But even then, my original intent was solely content creation on the, on the, on the photography side just photography. And then what I started realizing right away, I got one or two uh, artist clients here that are pretty big, well-known artists in, in, the, in, the, in the country, in the region. And they were like, I need this. I want this. I, I don't want to do Instagram. I don't want to post content. I don't want to take photographs. Mm. And they were tired of hiring a photographer for all these kind of like one-off things. And then they'd never work with them again. And mm-hmm. then you try somebody new or they didn't work out. So I got these two clients and, uh, and I started, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this a little bit differently. Use me for a few months. I'll extend that kind of discount to you and say, thank you for using me and solidifying me for a few months. But trust me that the content is going to be good. And then, mm. so we tested this kind of thing and it just it took off basically from there. So what I do is I do um, social media and content management for artists and brands. But I stay away from like the typical marketing kind of formula where I'm using the content as marketing. It's organic marketing. I'm not marketing agencies will be like, all right, pay me $50,000 and we'll promote you all over the place. Okay, I'm taking a reverse philosophy of that. I'm saying here, you're going to pay me this way in like, a, it's a monthly rate. And then I'm going to constantly create for you. And what that means is that you have the same core style and consistency through your, your offerings on mm-hmm. social media, and your website, and it looks cohesive. Yeah. And because I yeah. firmly believe that the key to social media is consistency. Everybody can rise and fall, and there'll always be someone skyrocket, and there'll always be something that does bad. But if you stay consistent, it's a really good um, way of pushing yourself up to the you know totally. where you want to go. Yeah, and it might take you four years, but I know way more success stories with the people that have been doing it for four years and, and to finally breathe than I do where they skyrocket and then they plummet, right? And then they're they're screwed. Yeah. So my whole thing with it is consistency. So I started this agency that works. Um, we provide content and PR for artists and brands, mainly artists, mm-hmm. and then. I do all like the video content, photography content, social media management. And then I have a person who reaches out to galleries, reaches out to um, blogs, podcasts like you guys Mm -hmm. and says like, hey, we have this client, you know, we think that they might be a good fit with you. And they're like, oh, okay. And then that that helps the artist. And then it kind of just like funnels each other. So smart. Because there's so many people who are bad at all of that. Yes. That like that would be so me. Yeah. <laughs> like getting that like I've always like I enjoy that side of like I mean I run our social media I run I'm like guest guest relations if you want to give me like a, a proper title right um, but some people just just can't you know they, can't. they just don't, they can't they yep. just it's not part of their 
they're especially if you know super artistic or musicians or like I know how to write songs I don't know how to do this other stuff and that's really cool I believe that like I said this earlier like every 10 years or so something kind of happens and I think that mm. I needed the finance background to mm. get to where I am right now because the finance oh, wow. background yeah. I worked with small businesses constantly, like getting them loans or starting up the storefront or or doing all this. And I learned a ton of stuff about banks, basic things like checking accounts yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. small business loans and loans and leasing and buying equipment and all these things. And, and what that did is, and also sales, like I learned how to talk to people and and say, here's what you need, and be kind and truthful without being, a, uh, you know, a douchebag mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so, yeah. and they're like, oh, you're right. So, like, so what I learned from that ten years of small business stuff is how to apply that to this side of the business. So, the best compliment I get, and I've gotten it a few times now, is is like one of my my painter clients was like, you're like the best of both worlds. You're super creative. Because yeah. I can see your fine art stuff, but you also are business side mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you're like on time and you know what you're doing and you have, you're on schedule and you know what the next thing is and you stay, you stay on top of all the content and everything like that. And she's like, I can't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot get myself to do it. And that's where I come in. So that's great. But I've gotten so good at it, like that these some of these clients who I've been with for almost three years now, when I go there, they're they're painting and they're like, All right, what do you think? What direction should I go in? And I'm like, Really? Okay. <laughs> like, like here we wow. go. This is the way we're going. You know, I'm like, I think you should do this, I think you should yeah. do this. And they're like, you're so right. They're just, they're just, it, you, again, it's that whole background of the agency is built on being immersed with that person. Oh, that's cool. And it, that's it all cool. kind of blends together in, 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 in that kind of, in that way and feel of do you, everything. Do you keep it small? Like, do you, what's your I do. client? Yeah. Um, I always, I have a lot of clients, but so right now I, I have a 10 consistent clients and I'm kind of at this peak where I keep telling people this, like, I, I hit a peak where I'm at it right now and I can't take more, yeah. but I want to, yeah. but I need right. to find somebody else who's me here yeah, 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 to do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the hard part. Yeah. So like, right. but I have about 20 to 30 clients. A lot of them, like 20 of them are probably more, I'll use you here mm-hmm. and for like a month and then they, I won't see them again for six months Got or so. It. But I have about 10 to 12 every, every monthly clients. That's so cool. Yeah, it's been pretty. It's yeah, been pretty that, wicked, and plus, it it gets me into the art world, and yeah. I get to funnel around in there. And I'm like, yesterday I was at a shoot, and I was. She's like, "Oh, do you know this person at this gallery?" I'm like, "I do." And then now <laughs> I'm like reaching her out to that gallery <laughs> on her behalf, and now she's going to be excited. That's that, cool. So they, there's all these like little connections and stuff that I love. I wanted to ask you one more thing before we we ask you the t- the the questions here. Sure. Talk to us about your retreat. Oh, the 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 because- house one. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, I like, it sounds like a dream just okay. from like a, like a reset <laughs> creative. A, yeah. So here's another whole thing that I'll, I, get, I find myself in these weird things. I have to go, like, I've been made fun of, like, my, my ex makes fun of me for this all the time. She's like, if they go this way, you've got to go this way. I'm like, that's <laughs> not really true, but I get what you're saying. Like, I can yeah. see, I can see how you're saying that kind of thing, but it's not on purpose. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not like, I'm not not listening to this musician because they're popular. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll admit it. I do kind of like Billie Eilish. I love that. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not dissing her at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll vibe to it. But also at the same end, I'll go all the way over here. And my daughter makes fun of me for this. She, and she's like, you're the records you play are the most obscure, weird <laughs> stuff. And yeah, and she's right. Like you'll go on Spotify and there's this like 100 active listeners. You know, you're like, mm, there's yeah. nobody. And so like I kind of. Wow. I'm in that yeah. world with you, man. I, I feel, love I feel it. that. Like, I feel, like yeah, I'm like too, buying like Bandcamp albums, and like they're then they're uh-huh. like responding to me on Instagram. They're like, "Whoa, your work's cool." I'm like, "Your work's cool." Uh-huh. And then you know, like yeah. I that that's where I get the thrill of it, like mm-hmm. buying the record and the and the merch and that stuff. That's where I I I get into it. But that doesn't mean I don't like popular things. So. In our industry, as you both probably know, workshops are huge. Yeah. And a lot of them, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I just think they're just like MLM marketing schemes. Hmm. It's basically like yeah. someone saying, here's what I do, go do it. And then 10 people go and do the same thing. And then two years later, five of those people are holding workshops and then they're doing the same thing, which is fine. If that's what you yeah. want to do, go yeah. for it. But that's not what I want to be a part of. Yeah. A few years ago, I got together with a buddy of mine and we held this retreat in 2017. It was uh, right after like the whole you know, political thing and, and, and Trump and all that stuff. And it was like kind of just we needed a reset. Mm-hmm. And I, we decided to do this retreat and we didn't want to do a workshop. That was something that we didn't want to do. We didn't want to go there and and people pay to learn what we do. We wanted people to mm. be able to go and talk to us, but also talk to everybody else. And you're going there for the the experience and not to sit in front of a computer and look how we edit in right, our skins. Right. Or, you know, he, he was more digital, I was more film. Like, I'll show you what I'm doing with my camera, but I'm not teaching you what I'm doing with my camera, if that makes sense. So we did this retreat and it was freaking awesome. And it was three days on the northern coast of California and everybody had a blast. And we made it, we made it affordable. Yeah. It was like three days, two nights. We, we bought all the food. Um, we took everybody out to dinner and we, I made them breakfast every day and like, we just relaxed (laughs) and we, and we had like formalized things. Like we said, here's where we're going to go over here and watch the, you know, we're going to go see the sunset along the coast and get this light. But we didn't go in with the intent to photograph things. We went with the intent to experience it. And then yes, we all had cameras. But no one was like teaching how to do yeah. things. It was yeah, more yeah, yeah. of just a, a fun little get together. And and we did two of those and I've always wanted to do another one. So I finally felt like I was at the mental capacity to offer one. And so I, we, we announced um, with my partner, actually, we announced this one in Taos like a few weeks ago or a month ago. And basically, it's again, the same concept, three days, two nights, all inclusive, at this old bed and breakfast in the middle of Taos. And and we're going to shoot, like we're going to go out and, and, and photograph things, but we're, you're not there to, to be taught what I do. 
You're right. there to yeah. to listen and talk to me and with me alongside other artists. And my goal is to I want to sit with you and do what we're doing right now. All the yeah. things that we talked about right now are what I want to talk about there. The ego of photographers or or where we see the social media going or yeah. or why is film, you know, so important to us or you know even if it's what is the difference between medium format and 35 millimeter, I'll talk to you for an hour about it, yeah. more than an hour. So the point is like, it's just learning and, and guiding, not so much like workshop. And then I try to keep it at a good price where I feel like you're going to spend that regardless. If you go on a three-day trip in the mountains yeah. and you, you have to pay for all your food, you're going to spend more than what we're charging. Right. So it's kind of like, I'm not in it to make a ton of money. Um, I'm in it to provide like this cool time away. What I love about that is like when I was scrolling through, I was like, man, this sounds amazing. I love that there's no real structure. It's like, mm -mm, we're going right. to hang out. Yep. We're going to talk. But then there's creative times. You can go do yoga. You can yeah. go write. You can go do. And I was like, man, just having like, even, even what you're saying, like we, Timothy and I are lucky we get to talk to people a lot about this kind of stuff but other people yeah, like, yeah my husband's not into it or my partner's not into it or like my brother's here start you know done hearing me talk about a camera is like going and being around <laughs> creative people yeah is like such a soul recharge uh -huh. and it, you know even that alone is going to inspire so many people and i just love that that you're keeping it affordable and you're keeping it like this is your retreat it seems like yeah yeah, it's it, we're keeping yeah, it, it super. I was like, oh, I want to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not look. I don't. Yeah, I'm not getting like sponsors, and it's not this big huge thing yeah. where we're trying to get 45 people to go. It, it's just kind of yeah, go like come along and 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 do it. And we're even doing the thing where like we're we're maxing it at 10 people, and we're shooting for like six to eight, and we're saying I'm saying like no, I can't do 10. More than 10. And then yeah. we're saying we're actually giving a grant of $500 back to someone who after the retreat can submit uh. like a thing. And it says like, here's like this retreat was badass. Here's what I want to do. Like I have this idea in my head where I want to go do this. And you know, and then apply. You have a one in like eight chance <laughs> of wow. getting the $500 back, which basically makes it almost like nothing unless you have to yes. fly there. So right. like we're even doing that and because I really value the importance of people lifting up the industry and like and and doing it in a way where it's like I've seen plenty of people that are super popular and super famous photographers and they're like you can come to my workshop it's three thousand dollars yeah 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 and yeah, you're like, yeah. All right. and mm -hmm. 20 people show up and they make tons of money and you never talk to them again and right th my and that's great go do it and if you want to pay for it go pay for it that's that's your choice but for me that's not really how yeah. this whole thing works and and my my objective i really really wish that i went to something small like that in my first years and then they're like, and then I went to them and was like, I have this idea of, of shooting all this film to document this specific thing over here. And I'm like, yeah, apply for our little grant. And here you go. That's so cool. And, and that, that's kind of what I, it's all about for me, at least. So Amazing. it's going to be, it's going to be cool. We have a few spots still available. So if anybody is interested, I mean, it's open. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll definitely link it in the Absolutely. show notes too. We'll be right back with a listener question for Michael right after this message from our sponsor. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just wanted to pop in here quick and let you guys know about our Develop and Hang Nights. Now this is a Patreon-only exclusive. We've done a bunch of these already. We hang out, we develop some film, we talk shop, we try to get a former guest for these. It's just a great time. And like we always say, Patreon is the best way to help support the show. If that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Thank you. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Godinez.co. And they wanted to know, I still remember his wedding photography career. What made him stop? It's hard to walk away from from, <laughs> from that, too. Like, forget, like, yeah, the, the... Yeah, especially when you did, like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it was It wasn't easy. I, I really don't think that there's one particular thing it's not like something i went to a wedding and something happened i was like i'm done and and it it was more of i (laughs) felt i think a lot of wedding photographers after about 10 years start to feel burnt out and it's an industry that's changing and evolving constantly and you kind of have to keep up with trends and it's definitely an industry that's geared more towards a younger person in my my opinion like there you don't know many 60 year old wedding photographers and they're out there very true i think for me it was it wasn't giving me the satisfaction of that kind of final result anymore. And I didn't want to do the disservice to my clients of not being yeah. fully into it. And right. so I used the oh, transition yeah. of coming to Colorado and moving to Colorado as my a way out. So it was kind of like I knew I was moving and that was one reason. I was feeling a little bit cynical and jaded. And that was another reason. I was feeling burnt out a little bit. And that was another reason. And I still actually do weddings here and there. Like I just did one a month ago. Mm. Oh, um, okay. I just cool. don't really advertise and show it off. And, but if someone came to me and was like, and said, I absolutely adore your black and white photography. Will you photograph my wedding in all film? I'd be like, yes. Oh, just yeah. because it would be so yeah. so exciting, but it was a it was the combination of those three things, and I do believe that it, if you're not fully behind something, you're not if you can't give it the energy it deserves, it's not going to be good. And I didn't right. want there to yeah. be. I, I left on a high note. I left on like my clients yeah. being happy and everybody super stoked about the photography, and I didn't want to have this be at this point where I would show up and they would notice me being not fun and and or miserable right. you know like yeah how, right, how right, terrible right. would that be so i Oof. essentially i just said all right this is a good way reason and to get out and here's my move to colorado i'm gonna do it when i do that because i have to transition anyway so that was that was the reason behind it smart yeah. I do miss them though yeah. some days. Some days like I'm sitting there and too. I'm like, oh man, like this would be really cool. And I did one in like the mountains of Colorado in about a year ago and it was super fun. It was like four hours long and it was super chill and I had a blast. Like I, I do like them. Yeah. 
It's just, I just, it's just yeah. not 40 a season. <laughs> right. No, no, no. <laughs> and like, I, I really, I started people in the wedding industry, they like a certain look and whether right. you can say all you want, like I only do black and white photography at weddings, but you're kind of throwing in some color ones in there because they, they yeah, want yeah, them. Yeah. And yeah. they're, they're yeah. like, Oh, would you do the family shots of this? And, 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 yeah. and, and yeah. I, I under, completely understand this. So it's very hard to find a client that is willing to let you completely and utterly go yeah. on right. your own. And I've had them. I had a couple of them. And like I did one wedding, it was like 80% Holga. Whoa. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so yeah, so there is that, they're out there. It's just uh, hard to sustain that, yeah. right? Like you yeah. can't, they're not, they're few and far between. So it was, it was time. It was time. That's but good. hey, if you get married and you want some cool, photos like i'm, I'm up michael's your guy michael's your <laughs> guy yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Man, cool. good answer. Good answer. Good answer. All right. Now we got to give you the two-part toughie. It is the desert island. Uh, you can only choose one camera for the rest of your life. What is it going to be and why? Well, I just alluded to it. Yeah, I was going to I was wondering if it was going to be the Holga. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Really? Yeah. I think that's a first, too. I think it might be a first, yeah. Yeah, I love that. There is something like it is such a rudimentary camera. Mm. Mm-hmm. which makes it absolutely a pain in the ass to yeah. work with <laughs> but then when you you hit it it's just it's just on point yeah. for me yeah it has this kind of like painterly look even 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 if it's in focus and it's good it still has this kind of like <laughs> yeah. out of focus look uh it's you can't overthink the darn thing Mm-mm. like seriously like You've got you've got a cloudy setting and you've got a sunny setting, <laughs> yeah. And then and then you've got uh, you, it, it doesn't even have apertures. It just says like one person portrait, yeah. And then it's like group, and then it goes <laughs> to like the mountains, yep. And you're like, oh, I guess this is infinity, yep. yeah. Like, yeah. So it's there's it's so basic. And so cheaply made. I mean, $29.99 gets you the camera of your dream. There you I go. Know. And it shoots medium format film. Yeah. And I can I can put in the little the little five by seven insert thing. Yeah. Insert. And you can even get that kind of thing, which I rarely do, but you can. And but what it does is it's the only camera that forces me to think on my feet. Yeah. Like heavily think on my feet because if I'm in a situation where light is diminishing quickly and you have a Holga, which is rated at F8 and F11 on their uh-huh. sunny and cloudy setting, yeah. yep. you yep. need to know what you're doing from a mental standpoint because this is why I like film so much. Your ISO, your ISO is rated. You have no choice but to work with it. Yeah. It's already in your camera. You can't take it out. And then your camera is is your tool it's your paintbrush so to speak to sound super cliche but it's that tool <laughs> and you have to work within the parameters of that and it's like kind of like giving a painter one brush and like yeah. one paint tube and saying right. here you go and the good ones are going to be able to make something from it and then the uh, there's going to be some there are going to be like I can't do anything yeah. right and so i think for me i need to be challenged just as much as i care about the end result and as I've, I've alluded to a few times in the thing, like part of the whole thing is the process rather than that final photograph. The final yeah. photograph is just the the icing on the cake, yep. right? Like that's yeah. the, the one thing that makes it all end, so to speak. But I love to be challenged. If I'm challenged, then I make some of my best work 
ever. And mm. being out on the New York street with a hundred speed Kodak Ektar because your clients are two hours late to the session and you ran out of literal daylight. So you're <laughs> shooting under street lights with Ektar is one of the, those things where you're like, what in the hell is happening? Yeah. And then like you get them back because you've worked, worked it, you know, and, and figured it out. And then they're the most unique photographs you've ever shot. Damn. Mm. Don't put yourself in that position. So that's kind of why I like the whole guy. And it's just, it forces me to adapt. And I use bulb mode a lot, almost exclusively. And I'm wow. memorizing, I'm not memorizing, I'm, I'm gauging the light with my bulb speed. So like when that light diminishes, I go like a little bit longer and then I've got to slow down my hands and then I got to stop my movement. Wow. So, I'm not, so there's all these like little factors that come into it. And just on the challenge alone, I go with the whole guy. Dude, love it. And plus like you can tell like really like lends, lends itself to your style. Oh, oh yeah. You know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's the only camera that, that I can safely say that lends itself to the to my style for sure. And even recently, like I've been kind of, I've been shooting my Raleigh a lot. Like I usually go between the Raleigh and the Holga mm-hmm. and I've been shooting in the Raleigh more and I'm, I've been forcing, and the reason why is because I've been forcing myself to, to work that camera in ways it's never been worked. Like working with like longer exposures and movement on the camera wow. and, and, and kind of moving the camera around and, and, and doing and putting it in positions I've never put it in before, just because I'm trying to see how far I can go with it. Mm. But even then it's like almost too good where like I get back to the <laughs> photograph sometimes and I'm like, okay, Rolly, you're, this is too sharp. Yeah. This is, what I'm gonna say. This is way too <laughs> right. sharp. If you're used to it. So like, so the Holga is just kind of like my painterly camera. It's the it. one that I, I can paint the best with. And yeah. I've always said, I've always wanted to be a painter. I just don't feel like I'm very good at it. And and Same. this is my way of painting. And the Holga gets me to that point. Man, you make me want to bust one out. I haven't yeah, shot bust a Holga. Bust it out. Like, I think I put one roll through a Holga, I think. Holga went, like, I'm pretty sure they stopped making them, like, four years ago. Yeah. And they just have them on the market still. I think I think somebody brought them back. Something Did happened they, um, where they're back. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I get one. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. amazing then. Get one. I'm telling you, like, it'll change the way you shoot. Because if you can make something work with that camera, all your uh, other yeah. good cameras start to become like, oh. Like, I started shooting the roll again. I'm like, oh, you're easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I got settings on here. Oh, my oh, gosh. Like, uh-huh. this is wonderful. That's so, like, it, it, I think it helps me as a photographer. Like, it, I, I, it, I don't think it does. I know it does. Amazing. Yeah. I know it does. And, and the other one is the Instax. Like that thing's the great little camera too. Like mm-hmm. trying to oh, because you I got the um I'm sorry I'm extending this but that Instax Lomo wide. Have you guys oh, ever yeah. seen oh, yeah. that one? Yeah, I have one right there. there I don't know if you can see right the white guy right there. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so bulb mode. Yeah. So that's that's the only reason why I got it is because <laughs> it has bulb mode because it I treat it like the Holga and I've been exploring that thing lately and I'm about to like post some shots from that Ooh, and cool. oh it is it's getting up there now because I can use the bulb mode <laughs> yeah and I, yep. I I live in that in that kind of longer exposure thing and even like some of the shots that I sh- shot like 115th on Raleigh it's still like sharp because I can handhold it yeah like pretty 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 well now so yeah 
So Sorry, good. that was long. No, no, love it, love it. We we could do this all day. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So could I, as you can tell. <laughs> all right. So part two of this question is the white whale. Is there a camera out there that you've you know you've always wanted to to own or shoot? You it, it can be something that you have shot already that you just you know you're it, just something that you're lust yeah. yeah or lusting after you know something that's always you know gotcha. Um, yeah, I'll wrap this around to the whole beginning of our conversation i have been dreaming up the rz again um that is the one camera that i've i've had everything really i've tested everything i need to for my brain because i need to know if it works for me the 7.2 from Mami is a great camera it just doesn't work with my style i've tried all you know the hasselblads and and the all the other all the other cameras like that even the bronica stuff like that i've had the leica's just doesn't lend itself to my style. Mm. I always come back to kind of square format mm. and the Raleigh because I can look down and it slows me down and the Hoga because obviously I said those things. But the RZ, it is forcefully slow and yep. bulky and huge. And you have to, you know, I look through it four or five times before I actually take that final photograph. Mm. Um, and that shutter is like one of the best sounding shutters. Mm-hmm. It is. Besides like that Pentax 6.7, that the, the Mamiya shutter is just, it's the just Hasselblad. a clunk. The Hasselblad has a good shutter sound too, though. It does. <laughs> it does have a good shutter sound. What, what made you not stick with the Hasselblad since you're a square format person? I shot the Hasselblad 501C the same time as I shot the Rolly that I have, the 2.8 mm. Rolly. I've, I had them both in my hands and I tested them both. And the way that I feel when I look in through the Raleigh felt better to me than how the Hasselblad oh. did. Okay. okay. And I, I'm a big feeling person. So yeah. if I'm not feeling good with the camera in my hand, I won't, I'm not good with it. Like it's right. why I don't like any of the DSLRs. They just feel too clunky to me in my hand. So I, that I shot all Leica for weddings rangefinder. Mm-hmm. So wow. that was like that. Cause I felt like that worked with my style a lot, mm-hmm. but then yeah, the RZ is, I've been considering it lately. I'm really bummed that I, I sold that thing <laughs> a long time ago, yeah. but all I the other think. ones, I feel like I've tried. I, I really do feel like I've tried. So I'll go with the RZ. Yeah. Nice. Good, good answer. Good, good answer. answer to both. Yeah. I love the, the I love the, 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 how different they are. The first, oh, yeah. the first part of the oh, question. Yeah. And the- yeah, totally. They're totally <laughs> completely different. I'm pretty sure if you dropped an RZ on the Holga, it would sh- crack. Oh, yeah. the Holga would shatter. To- Actually, you know what? Those things are like, like the old... Um, Nokia cell phones. Uh-huh. Like I drop yeah, them all the rugged. time, and my clients are like, "Oh my god, is it okay?" I'm like, "It's plastic." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, I'll probably get better photographs now. Yeah, like something will happen to this where it I'll get did. a light leak in it, and it'll uh-huh. be awesome. So yeah, oh so I'm totally. And plus, I can replace it for twenty nine dollars. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the 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 main benefit. It's like you can get one for cheap still. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it is wonderful. <laughs> I know. I first told my like partner that she's like, what did you shoot these on from like one of the first series? I was like, these are all in Holga. She's like, are you kidding? (laughs) The old plastic. Fantastic. Uh The old plastic. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael, this has been such a great conversation. I'm fired up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Where can everybody check out? You can plug your Instagram. Plug, please plug the retreat. Where can we find you? Uh, Instagram is michaelash.smith. And retreat information is on my website, michaelashsmith.com. Anything else is on my website. There's even some a few pieces left from the last show 
if Ooh. I can even plug that, that yeah. that will will probably won't be gone once the show starts. So you can even grab one of those one-off pieces. I think there's there's four left of the thirteen. So cool. so even that, but everything's on there. Yeah, MichaelAshmith.com and and uh, the Instagram is where I keep pretty much everything. So cool, awesome. Timothy, where are you guys? I'm on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Timothy Makeups. I also have some YouTube stuff. Easiest way to find that is just go to the search bar and type in Timothy Makeups. That's uh, it for me, Chris. Where are you? So I'm Chris B. Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We have an Analog Talk podcast Instagram. That's Analog Talk podcast. We have analog more Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, and we have a Facebook. Find us there. Michael, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Definitely. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. All right. First off, we'd like to thank Michael for coming on the show. Chris and I are completely obsessed with your work. Your black and white portraits, it's just, man. And then knowing that a lot of it's Holga and Peel Apart, oh, just such a great story. Thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us. We can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for only a buck. You can get the show two days early. We also have our develop and hang over there and a bunch of other stuff. For the Patreons that already help support the show, guys, we do not know what we would do without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Patreon is the best way to help support the show. So head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. All right, that's going to be it for this week. Thanks again, Michael, for coming on the show. Guys, if you get a second, head over to iTunes and give us a rating. It doesn't have to be five stars. It just helps get the show recognized a little bit more. But yeah, until next week, we will see you soon with an all new episode. Later, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.